May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So, for those of you that don't know, we have lots of books in the Episcopal Church, right? Like, we have, like, tip sheets for which books to use in church, because there's, like, four in your pews that we have to thumb through. And then when we're planning services, well, there's the gold book, and there's the red book back there that we bring out. And then when we're planning services, there's a bunch of other books that get involved. There's these things called lectionaries, and um, that's the the readings we do each week, and uh, there's sanctorial calendars, which are feast days of saints, and there's like three or four of those, and no one ever actually knows which one you're supposed to use. Like, I'm telling you, my job's really hard. (laughs) Just kidding. But there, even with the lectionary, right, like long time ago, people said these are the readings we're going to do every Sunday, and every three weeks we're going to cycle through all of these. But even within those, they give us options. And this is one of those weeks. So we have what's track one, and tra- like this is really inside baseball stuff, so you're getting a peek behind the curtain. There's track one and track two, and you usually go through the same track because the things build on each other, and you go through and you hear things. And we're supposed to be in track two right now. And so we heard the gospel, right? And Jesus answers the scribe, and the scribe says, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. We've heard all that. The track two reading, if we did what we were supposed to, would have been from Deuteronomy, right? Because Jesus doesn't make that answer up. Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy that says, love the Lord your God. But then this week, I was reading through the readings, and I really liked the reading we heard today, which is from track one. And so on Wednesday, I go into Annika's office. It's like, Annika, have you printed everything yet? You can see where this is going. She rolls her eyes. She does that a lot. I said, is there any way we can switch to Ruth? And if you heard it right, it doesn't really make sense with the gospel. Like Deuteronomy, if we would have heard that, if Phyllis would have read that, that would have made perfect sense once we heard the gospel because they're quoting. Right? There's a real connection there. But there was something that kept drawing me back to this passage from Ruth. There's only two times in the whole three-year cycle of Sundays that we hear from Ruth, right? And it's a beautiful book, and anytime we get the opportunity, maybe we should hear from it. Then I also tried to figure out why people put these readings together. I think one of the reasons, at least the reason that stuck out to me, is because of what it shows us about love what it shows us about what God is talking about, what Jesus is talking about when he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbors as yourself. Because we had this whole interaction with the scribe, and the scribe tries to question Jesus, and Jesus gives this answer, and the the scribe commends Jesus, (laughs) as you got it right. He agreed with him, which in my book, it's always a good idea to agree with Jesus. So it's a good thing the scribe did that. But we'll note the, the scribe added a little bit. He said, yeah, Jesus, you're right. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then the scribe says, love is more important than burnt offerings and sacrifices. Love is more important than what we're doing in here. 
Love is more important than praying the right prayers, singing the right songs, gathering around the table in the right way. Love is more important than worship. But what does that love look like? That's what we wrestle with. That's what people throughout the ages have wrestled with. And Jesus says it so plainly, matter-of-factly, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Does that mean we speak kindly to God? We speak properly? No, because Scripture's full of people who are pretty ticked off with God, and they're not very respectful. But those prayers are valid, and we've talked about those in here. So you can be angry with God, and you can use bad words with God, and that's okay. You still love God. And then the love your neighbor piece. That sometimes can seem trite. Does that mean picking up after your dog? Does that mean waving when you get in your car? Those are easy ways to love. Those are the places where I want to stop. What does it really mean to love your neighbor as yourself? That's where I think our story from Ruth today ties in because we get an example of just maybe what Jesus was getting at. In this week's first reading, we have a young woman named Ruth who pledges devotion, pledges love to her mother-in-law, Naomi. Where you go, I will go, she says. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there, I will be buried. Maybe y'all have heard this read at a wedding. Maybe you've seen it on one of those things you buy at Hobby Lobby, right? Live, laugh, love, or where you go, I will go. Maybe you've seen it on a card for an anniversary or to tell someone that you love them. It gets romanticized. It's beautiful. It's poetic. I can remember being a teenager and thinking I knew what it meant to be in love and what does a teenage boy do when he loves a girl, but he gets every bit of help he can get. And so I was reading my Bible, trying to figure out, I was praying. And I remember praying over this exactly. Where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. I remember thinking, I can do that. I don't know if I thought like, Teenage hormones, angst, all of that was enough to live out a vow like Ruth makes to Naomi. But it seems, at least in our Christian world, we look at, at this vow romantically. We look at it as something that two kind of fresh-faced people say to each other when all they have ahead of them is hope and promise and a future. When two people who are deeply in love with each other commit to one another and 
And we think that it's all hope. We think that it's all possibility. But then we actually have to read the story of Ruth. Because this isn't a pledge of love between two people who only have their futures ahead of them. This isn't a vow of people who know things are going to be easy. This is a pledge of commitment and faithfulness and love between two women whose worlds have fallen apart. It's a pledge of faithfulness, commitment, and love between two people who don't know where else to go. Because as the story of Ruth begins, Naomi and her two daughters, Orpha and Ruth, they've lost their husbands. So they're widows in a world with no safety net for widows. Naomi herself is a foreigner in a culture that's not safe for foreigners. She is a woman who seems to have given up. She goes to her friends and, and says, please stop calling me Naomi because Naomi means pleasant. And she says, instead, call me Mara because Mara means bitter. For the Lord has afflicted me, she said. The Lord, the Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Naomi is a woman who has seemed to give up. And she knows her daughters-in-law will be better off without her. She pleads with her daughters-in-law to go. Find another way to make it through the world and just leave her to be alone. Leave her to suffer on her own. Maybe leave her to die. But Ruth doesn't do that. Ruth stayed with Naomi. And I think Ruth knew what staying with Naomi would mean. She knows that staying with Naomi and leaving Moab to travel to Judah will make her an unwelcome foreigner in a world in which unwelcome foreigners are looked with suspicion. She knows that following Naomi will mean money will be scarce, prospects for remarriage will be slim, and the hope of her reconnecting with her birth family virtually unlikely. Ruth knows what it means when she says, where you go, I will go. She knows what it's going to cost her. And yet she puts those legitimate worries, those potential losses, all of those fears aside and vows to walk in love with Naomi through the hard times to come. We are called to walk that same way of love. We're reminded of it every week. I stand here at the gates and when I bid the offertory, 
I say, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God. That's not a fundraiser. That's not a pep rally for when we pass the baskets. When we hear that call, it's not about the offering in here. It's about what it means to offer our lives to one another. It's what it means to offer our lives to God. At the church I served in Houston, Beth, the rector there, she started a practice when we would pass the plates. This was way back in the olden days when COVID wasn't a thing and we passed plates. They're these like brass things. You've maybe seen them before. And we would pass them, right? And like in this world, not everyone puts money in there because some people do it online and some people do. And so it's like you don't always have that act. And so she started, and I love this, when we get back to plates, maybe we'll start this again. But as we passed those plates to one another, we were encouraged to pause for a moment, hold that plate in our hands, say a prayer, and ask how we can offer our lives. Because it's not about the plate. It's about what we offer when we vow, when we pledge to walk in love as Christ loved us. Ruth pledged that vow of love to Naomi. She knew it would upend our world. She knew the journey would be hard. She didn't know how it would end. But she knew that she would walk with Naomi. Where you go, I will go. And so when we make that vow to God, when we heed Jesus's words to love God and love our neighbors, we vow to walk in love as Christ loved us. We do that tangibly today with offerings of shoots. Walk in love. These shoes that will go to our brothers and sisters and siblings experiencing homelessness will hopefully make it a little bit easier for them to walk. And it's a sign of our care for our neighbor. But it's kind of easy to give shoes to someone who needs shoes. It's something altogether to ask the questions about why today there are still people in this world that need shoes. We as followers of Jesus have to ask those questions. We've been doing this for a long time. I would love for there to be a day that we don't have to collect shoes and give them to people. Because when we pledge to follow God, when we pledge to go where God goes, sometimes that means going to hard places, asking hard questions. So we're gonna bless these shoots in just a little bit. And that'll be a sign for us 
of our call to follow Jesus. Be a reminder. These socks, these shoes, they cover dirty feet. Are we willing to get in the dirt and help wash dirty feet? Are we willing to do the hard things it takes to follow Jesus? Are we willing to do the things that Ruth did to follow Naomi? Give up safety, give up security, give up everything. Because that's what Jesus calls us to do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. We don't love God just by what we do in here. We love God when what we do in here changes how we interact with the world. The second commandment is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. Tonight of all nights, it's really easy to love your neighbor. Unless your neighbor gives your kids too many candy bars. <laughs> then I may have some issues with my neighbors. But block parties, cookouts, festivities, trunk or treats, it's really the easy to love your neighbor. But this week, there's also political signs in people's yards. And that makes it a little more difficult to love your neighbor. It's really easy to love your neighbor when they live in the same zip code or root for the same high school teams or college teams. It's something else entirely when they live in countries that get put on watch lists. We're called to love, period. Whoever shows up at our door, whoever's door Jesus compels us to go to, we are called to love. And so what we do in here is a way for us to practice that. So that when we go out there, we at least know what it's going to cost us. So walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God. Amen.